How's my audio? Audio riffic. Hello, and welcome back to the Slums Cast. I'm your co-host, Neuropancer, and I'm the Netrunner equivalent of converting a Blu-ray to VHS. And I'm Orbital Tangent, still rocking the title of Netrunner's OKS player. If this is your first time ever joining the Slums Cast, then why? This is a podcast about genuinely trying and spectacularly failing to be good at Netrunner. This podcast will not make you better at Netrunner, and it also will not make you a better person. It will, however, feature a special guest today. Josh, do you want to introduce our special guest? Oh, absolutely. He's the king of poultry, a real T.O., but a runner of fake gnats. It's Dan Bouchard, a.k.a. Bushy. Bushy, how the fuck you doing? I am doing absolutely wonderful. It is great to be here. I feel like I identify at a very personal level with all the ideals of this podcast. What I really love about this podcast and being a guest on it, I always say to myself, oh, I want to make a podcast. I want to record stuff, but then I don't want to do all the stuff around it. Now, if I'm just a guest on a podcast, (laughs) I can let other people do that. And I just get to come in and talk, which is great. That's what I love. I mean, for what it's worth, we don't do a lot of the stuff around it either. I mean, for one thing, it's impossible to edit audio, so we don't. Good. It's good that you don't have to do that. Luckily, yeah, it's just impossible to do so, so... I'm impressed by podcasts that just naturally have high production value because clearly they're just getting it in one take is what's happening. It's either they have a lot of free time, way more patient than I am, or I assume you guys are too. Yeah, oh, or, definitely, or me, yeah. Or they're just very talented. Judicious cutting of the feed. Much more judicious than ours. <laughs> Cut the feed. Didn't even get the intro question out. We have an intro question this week. Dan. Yes. We realized something after we invited you here. You are one of the first people to ever appear on the Slums cast twice. Oh, boy. There's a fairly short list. We're not counting CTZ on that list because I'm actually pretty convinced that the first time CTZ was on this podcast, it was an alternate timeline version of him that was trapped in the year 2016, which is very dark. But, you know, I hope he gets better soon. A lot has changed since our third episode. We wanted to ask you, since you are in a good position to answer, this is an important question, one that keeps me up at night, one that worries me all the time. How has the Slums cast sold out and what do we need to do to fix it? It's a really big issue, right? I imagine you're getting singles, if not tens of Redbubble orders on your t-shirts. I don't think there's anything to be done now. It's, it's the design is out in the wild. Even if you took it down, you're going to get a copycat out there. So there's too late for that. We had a copycat before we had even sold anything. I just happened to be searching for our store to make my own purchase. I was like, pants, somebody else is making these. I don't listen to Slumcast shirt. He's like, what the fuck? Why? Seriously, why? Yeah, we hadn't sold any. When I say hadn't sold anything, I want to stress, it's not like we're talking about hundreds of orders now. We're still very much in the territory of we have not hit the minimum balance for us to withdraw the money and donate it. I feel that on a very personal level with my alt art sales, which is completely fine on MPC. It was really funny, though. I was looking for Netrunner merchandise to put on Near Earth Hub. I literally just searched Netrunner and your shirt comes up. And I was like, Oh, hey, 
<laughs> I'm gonna call up Slumscast live on Stim Slack General. <laughs> And Pants just goes, oh shit, you're not supposed to see that yet. Like, well, yeah, too bad, that, I, I found it and I'm posting it. That thing had been up for maximum 12 hours at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing stays secret for long. So is it just the merch? Is merch the only way that we've sold out? The no, genie's out of the bottle. No, no, no. Hard to convince genies. Are there other ways that we've sold out that we can fix? I'm still waiting on my check from the first episode. But Wait, Josh, are we paying these people? Uh, yeah, let's move on from that topic quickly. For all of our faults and flaws, of which there are very few, everybody just needs to keep in mind that we're not going to fix them. I, I mean, at this point, it would be off brand. On the topic of fixing flaws, we fix the not paying anyone who comes on the slums cast thing. We fix one specific thing. What hen? Surprised you didn't react to that one, Josh. It was a silent surprise. I don't think that there wasn't an actual face palm, but I could see it in his eyes. Is this just going to be full of chicken puns? Is that what this episode is going to be about? This one actually is for a very specific purpose. It's to introduce our next segment, our meat themed segment, the chicken zone. That's right, we're going lean this week. Too much beef is bad for the diet. We ask the question, as always, which would wing in a fight? The immensely confusing board states that can arise through the course of a Netrunner game or dice? Dice. All right, cool. Dice win. Let's move on. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm in a very pro-dice zone right now. Speaking of sellouts. Why are you in a super pro-dice zone? Let me do a little bit of my professional shilling. I'm starting to sell some Netrunner tokens and token adjacent items all around those people in the community that are so infatuated with their dice. So instead of using normal tokens, I'm selling some accessories so that they can enhance their game state through their six-sided loves. I don't know if I'm getting the premise of this question correctly. What would win in a fight as in what is more ultimately satisfying and mentally sound for the Netrunner aficionado? Or what would cause the most frustration and general dislike? From a TO perspective, Josh, I, I know you're you're probably in a, a similar situation where sometimes you're walking past tables and you look over and the insane board state that can arise you just look over and you say to yourself i wish i was watching this game for the entire playthrough because i have no idea how this happens but then also you look at the next table over 50 d6 all across the board and you also say to yourself i don't know what's going on here so really i said that dice would win but i think that they're one in the same oh dark when I wrote this question, I was thinking of them as separate, but you're right. Although it is true, and I apologize for putting the man on blast, but we've all seen Swan on stream. It is possible to create a board state that is impossible to parse with the human eye or any other thing, just with your own two hands. But it is also possible to irreparably ruin one with the use of dice to the point where you just can't recover again. And we've all seen that too. But you've also gotten a situation where you see you're on JNet. Pants is playing. Let me jump into this game. You will never see me playing on JNet. I'm always on a Smurf. 
but still there's there's certain names that you know just like i bet i know who that person is but you go in there and you say how in the world did this situation occur why is there 15 vitruvius counters man i really wish i i saw the the entirety of this game that would be tough for both tokens and dice if you got 15 of the fuckers it's like when you're, you go tag me and it's just like, how many tags do you have? It doesn't matter. It's more than it. I'm not going to clear them. It's, it's infinite tags. It's just like, how many Vitoruvius counters are there? 15, 16, 20. It doesn't matter. There's enough. Achievement unlocked. Play the same fully operational 17 times. Yeah. When there's way too many of a thing, this is especially applies to when our D&D group gets together. Doesn't matter what the number is. We always just say enough to party. Would you roll enough? The phrase that's been caught on in my D&D group is, uh, what do you roll? Uh, 14 plus numbers. It probably hits the guy, so it's 18 plus numbers. So this is actually an interesting question then. And this is actually relevant to some decisions that I imagine you made recently. What is the highest number in Netrunner that actually matters, other than credits, that's actually relevant for a thing? Yeah, so I was I was putting together those pad trackers, right? So those uh, acrylic, it's the same size as a card that has different slots for, for dice. And some of them were like, there's one slot for a D6 for brain damage, and there's one slot for a D6 for a bad pub. And yeah, I know that out, the outfit can get more than six bad pub. I don't care. Six is enough. They can track it off the board. But wait, if I play six stim hacks and I have box E installed, <laughs> then I'm a bad no player. No one has box E installed. The answer to that hypothetical is then I'm a bad player because I have box right. E installed. Adam, yeah. Can play more than three stim hack and be fine. That's a fair point. Yeah. Or he could, or, or Adam could play three stim hack and not be fine. Well, that's right? also fair. <laughs> Oh no, my you play three first. stim back and be dead. Oh god. I was going for aesthetic reasons. I was like, how many slots should I put for tags? Right? Should it be three slots? It just aesthetically looked good, but there wasn't enough room for some other stuff on the on the thing. So I cut it down to two. And the reason I cut it down for two is a full seven-point psycho beal, right? Install advanced psycho, you need 12 tags. Two sixes on a die. Where if you need to count tags, 12 is enough. Technically 13 if you need to like use that click to draw your beal or your psycho first but mm-hmm. i'm not gonna give i'm not gonna waste a whole slot for a single tag there i'm trying to think of how you would even get like 12 extra mu that's tough some shaper player has almost certainly done it and for that i am sorry but i am officially kink shaming them i i can't remember the name of the card but it doesn't matter it's the card that goes behind hype mind there's so, yeah, always akamatsu memchip oh god not akamatsu memchip I don't want to mention why I'm known as the chicken guy or why we're all chicken themes. Like, if you don't know, you can. Fu- There's ways to figure out. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you could fuck off. <laughs> <That's what laughs> oh, no, I'm I'm way too nice to say that. But I was like, whoa, are you doing a heel turn? I know Sanjay no, wanted no, to no. do one, that's, but that's Sanjay. But you that's too. Sanjay's. There's other ways to figure out. I don't know if my chicken days are behind me. Probably not. I was going to say with tags, no. the two slots, you could actually use the first slot for tens and the second slot for oh, ones. True. As You're... long as you never have 19. <laughs> I, I didn't think that through, actually. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Obviously, the reason that we kind of brought up this particular topic in the chicken zone was to talk about fan-made tokens, fan-made objects. We actually have a bonus poultry meatloaf related to this. What is the biggest flex? that you've ever had an opponent throw down on the table across from you? Item of swag or just like anything? I was thinking item of swag, but 
I'm curious to see where you're going with this. Ever since I started dealing in alt arts, I've been obsessed with them to the point where I collect a lot of things. So nothing is crazy. There was a guy in my meta who played a lot in the early days. So having the old school FFG data suckers, Kate McCaffrey's, the really kind of rare alt arts, 3x like old school Eli's. That's the big flex. You sit down at a GNK or even just like a meetup. This is what my deck looks like. Those Eli's were worth a pretty good chunk of change for a while. Me sitting down still in grad school across from a dude who reses three Altart Eli's. It's like, yeah, this is $180 that I'm just not making. Wow, if I I had those, I could sell them and have food for like a month. I think the wall of statics were more, especially for a card that's just like is so underwhelming. By the time that wall of statics were out, I think Paperclip was out at that point. If I recall, at that icebreaker where those were handed out, unless you got in like the top X amount of people, you only got like one, which is why I think they were so rare. They're so rare, and they must have come out by this at the same time that like Paperclip came out, which means that they came out at the same time that Vanilla came out, which is very sad. Yes, you could play this very rare all-star in your deck, but that costs you three more credits than what you should be paying. <laughs> So I I have an answer for this, if you'll let me indulge. Playing a German player at Worlds and them rocking a full set of Yakuza's cards, because I don't know if y'all know about Elwyn, but Elwyn does not really sell his alt arts. You have to get them. Like, so he'll buy some for him and he'll hand them to people. We got a care package from Elwyn that we would really like to thank him for. Thank you, Yakuza, aka Elwyn. It's awesome stuff. You can get that by doing various stuff for the community and whatnot but also you can go to his tournaments which happen to be in germany basically you have to be german yet another way that the germans are dunking on the fucking slums cast well you say that i don't know if this is an inside scoop there was a rumor that there was going to be a lasers event last year before pandemic times in new york and elwin was going to fly over and host it and it would have been the best oh Um, that would have been great yeah damn yeah but that didn't happen i think i'm missing his assassins and that's it speaking of flexing (laughs) of his cards not his laser stuff that would be insane i don't think anyone including him has a set of his lasered stuff and the only reason he doesn't have a full set is because he did do an hb on a wheel of cheese and i think (laughs) that you eventually need to actually eat that or throw it out Some of them were also just very unique and interesting materials where I'd be surprised if too many of them got made just because of how unwieldy they would have been to handle. I remember at Fake Nats, aka Pax Unplugged, I had gotten a couple of his lasered alts to give away as prizes, and one of them was a Golden Freedom. I figured that was a good one to give out because it's in Philadelphia. It's where the Liberty Bell is and that sort of thing. So I figured, okay, Golden Freedom, that'll be the, the prize for the winner. I really didn't want to give that away. I really just wanted to be like, well, I just forgot to bring the trophy in. Like, oops, I guess that just, uh, here's an IOU. I'll give you something cool and just keep that for myself. That's like the conundrum of a TO, isn't it? I threw TOing a couple of events and doing this cast have gotten my hands on some prizes that I, by rights, should not have. It's world stuff. Come to my next tournament. It's like... I want to keep all of this, but like, also, I want to have the awesomest prizes at my tournament. So 
fuck i must be a river unto my people i must be poor so that you all can be rich and in wealth no seriously some if anybody wants 200 ipos reach out to me I was memeing on the GLC Discord. I took a Sharpie to alt our IPOs because, reminder, I have 200 of them. And I just like crossed out all the text and wrote all the text for government subsidy. I know that this is a little on brand for me, but have you considered, instead of using Sharpie to write rules text, using a sticker to write drill text? No, I haven't. That never occurred to me. That requires a brain from somebody else. A true memester. Now I know. Done it in the past, and it is always a hit. You just can never play them in any tournament ever in the future. I can think of like one other way that you could flex on your opponent in Netrunner, and it would be the weirdest flex, but it would be kind of cool to see somebody do it. We never had foils or rares in Netrunner, right? We just had alt arts. But I was thinking about the rarest cards in Netrunner would be the cards that you could have gotten from the FFG draft packs. And I was thinking, like, if you really wanted to foil out your deck in Netrunner, what you would do is you would try to find every card that could have been in a draft pack and then get a hold of those and put those in your deck instead of normal cards. And they get really sad when nobody notices. My brain went a different place when you mentioned (laughs) rarity. I was thinking, like, it's an alt art. It looks exactly like the FFG printed cipher, except the little symbol for Flashpoint is gold. Make playing cards has foils. You can have foil cards. You open up your version of System Gateway, and there's just like a foil leech in there or something, or there's a foil version of some card. But knowing NPC, they would probably give you like a foil version of like the basic rules card. A foil basic action card actually sounds kind of fucking sick, and I want one. So we're recording this on a Friday. I think I can, I think I can do that by Monday. We're calling <laughs> it here. The Slums cast wrote this into existence. Speaking of flexing, I developed something last week as kind of a flex, kind of as a, well, I'm making it, so why don't I make it big? I was like, okay, well, there's no boomerang tokens out there. Why don't I make a boomerang token? I cut one out on my laser and it was fine. It was a boomerang. I'm not going to sell somebody a single token. And no one needs more than one. It's unique. You have one of them. So I was like, what if I just made it the size of a card? No one ever sees like a giant token where you just, you pull it out of your deck box and you slam it on a card. And it's just like, this is here. You're not going to forget about it. You can't read the text underneath it. So I developed something to flex on other people. (laughs) So this boomerang token sounds unreasonably cool. And the listeners may be thinking to themselves, because I know I'm thinking to myself, how can I buy this? How can I get you to shut up and take my money? That actually brings us to our next segment. Uh, You know, there's a Netrunner card that would be good for this segment. And is it? No! It would be an NBN asset. Trips for credits every turn. After all, it's about ways to personally have some sort of doorway or... Oh, that's right. It's Daily Quest. Daily Quest. Personalized portal was right... Dan, you've been involved in a few ways of making the Netrunner community accessible to new players. We'd like to talk about a few of them, and we'd like to start with NearEarthHub.net. What is NearEarthHub, and more importantly, why? 
Nearth Hub is a link repository for the Netrunner community. It is designed to be a one-stop shop, either if you're a new player or you're a player that forgot the name of Always Be Running or whatnot, to find all your Netrunner resources. It started as a link portal to the Artist Colony alt art community. Originally, we just had a Google Doc that just had everybody's storefronts in it, which was fine, except for anyone could edit it. So we went to a link tree, but link trees are kind of boring. It doesn't have pictures or you can, but you have to pay for it. And that's just, I didn't want to do that. So eventually I was like, oh, I can buy a domain name. Google Sites is free. I'm not going to get that much traffic. Why don't I just make a website in a weekend? So naturally, the first thing I did was go onto NetrunnerDB and figure out what the name of the website should be because it had to be a Netrunner card. This is the Netrunner community. I don't know if anyone's aware, but everything has to be named after a Netrunner card. NetrunnerDB, well-known, named after Daily Business Show, Netrunner Daily Business Show. For sure, definitely. My favorite one of those is if you are on the Stimhack Slack, the parenting channel is called Symmetrical Visage, which if you are unaware, is the card with the giant floating baby. That rotated. Is it verbal plasticity now? If we have to rename every single thing that has been rotated, the Netrunner community is going to fall into shambles. Do we have to rename Stimhack.net? Too Too fucking soon. soon. So I named it Near Earth Hub and I started to collect things where people can go to find tournaments, always be running, where to play games on Jinteki or Netrunner DB. If you are in the community or if you play Netrunner and you've got your friends to the game, you can point them to this one website and it'll just have everything. It'll have all the Twitch streams and YouTube podcasts, alt arts, links to Nisei to buy things, where to play the game. It's just your one-stop shop for finding things. Recently, I put up a page on tokens right before Gateway came out. So there's a whole page on if you just bought cards from Nisei and you want tokens to play the game, here's a section on tokens, alt arts. You can go to the alt art section. Um, I was looking at the Google Analytics from the website. Seven, 800 unique people logging in or viewing it throughout Damn. the last month, which was spoiler season, right? New, new cards. Everyone was kind of looking at things. And yeah, there was a, there was a really good amount of traffic there. I mean, that's exciting to hear. Talking about people that are coming back to the game, I have to give a big shout out to Green Level Clearance Discord. So for a while, Slack was the biggest place where you would communicate about the game. But a lot of people don't like Slack or a lot of people just like don't want to install another app. Almost everybody has Discord now. The amount of people that we're gaining, 10, 12, 15, sometimes 20 people that join every single day. People that are wow. finding out about the game. There's a lot of people. They're running a system gateway tournament that is 300 people. That's the world's. And it's mostly new players. It's just like every single time someone joins the Discord over the past month, it was like, hi, welcome to the Green Level Clearance. Here's like the couple channels you want to be in. By the way, join our tournament. It's for new players. You don't even have to build decks. It's literally the gateway basic decks. Come and play. Fucking sick. I love that. I'm actually glad that you brought up GLC. That was the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Keep in mind, I have never stepped foot in GLC. I'm kind of a stim slack degenerate veteran. You have to treat this like I'm a complete newcomer to GLC because the information that you just told me is basically everything I know about GLC. One thing that I'm really curious about, this particular base of people, what do people talk about in GLC? What's the chat about there? You would hate it so much. <laughs> There's no Discord has limited emojis. There's no animated oh. emojis unless you pay. It's the end times. I, I survive because the people need me. The emoji don't move. They do, but you have to pay money, which again, maybe that's a, that's a flex. What the fuck? 
the emoji yeah. don't move. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't use a platform that doesn't have moving emoji. Mm-hmm. I draw the line. Are we there. talking about GLC? We are talking about GLC. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Netrunner talk. There's a lot of Netrunner talk, actually. With the amount of people that are joining, we're seeing the general channel move to Netrunner adjacent talk, but it's still related to the game. So there's a lot of talk about Netrunner, obviously with Gateway and Update that just came out. People are talking about decks. I think more than what any community member outside of Discord would be surprised with is people aren't playing standard as much. It's mostly startup. Startup is the format that people are attached to. Part of that is before Nisei announced startup, they had their own modded format, which was basically startup where it was core 19 and ashes and that's what people were playing it was like hey you're a new player well instead of jumping feet first into standard why don't you play this modded format and i'm using air quotes by the way i know you can't see it audio only but i'm using air quotes to just imagine a chicken with air quotes i'm imagining and that and it's very scary great i love it that needs to be an emoji now it can't move though well it um, can if it's on slack So you're a new player, you get told, oh, you don't have to learn 1500 cards. All you just need to learn is you need to know what's in System Core 19 at the time and what's in Ashes, what's in Downfall, what's in Uprising. And you're good to go. And a lot of people that were new were just like, oh, that's great. And then a month or two down the line, you can say, by the way, that deck you're playing, add in hard-hitting news and high-profile target and you got a standard deck and you're good. Go to a store champ. And people really like that. And it's very similar now with startup. So people can say, hey, I can build a deck and it will also be, unless you're a degenerate and playing Kayambe Grid or whatever, you can take your startup deck and it's a standard deck too. Gateway cards are good enough that they are going to see a ton of play in standard, specifically New Jack City. Not sold on that name. Really not sold on that name. It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change my ways. But anyway, are we talking about Spinny D? The, yeah, the name we're is talking about Spinny. The D. name Spin Doctor is so good. Why do people have to cuten it up? So it's Jackson Howard, actually. Like it sounds all American, white bread, suburbs, very vanilla. Jackson Howard sounds exactly like Jackson Howard looks in the art. Surprised to learn through this GLC discussion that more people are playing it than I thought would. I thought it would be kind of like a one-off format where people would kind of like dabble with it for like a week or two. And Okay, I'm going to go put this on the shelf, but it's sounding more and more like there's sustain to it. Put in your head somebody, you've just discovered Netrunner. Your mm-hmm. best friend Josh just told you about Netrunner. He sent mm-hmm. you the link through Near Earth Hub to buy some cards, and you bought the full set. You bought Downfall, you bought Uprising, Gateway. You bought everything from Nisei. You're good to go. And you have a lot of cards to play with. When I got into the game, I bought the core set, and I bought half a dozen data packs based off of the cards that were kind of strong in the factions that I wanted to play. And that's what I built decks with. Were they good? No. Was it missing Jackson Howard because opening moves without a print? Yes. Was that fine? Yeah, until I got scorched and I didn't have Plasticrete. Moral of the story, you can play not optimal decks when you're starting out. So having Nisei say, here's a format for it. It's not much and it's everything. It's in print. You can just go and buy it right now. Well, yeah, and that's the big thing, right? If you want to play standard, 
either you now need to go buy them on the secondary market or you need to look at, okay, who's selling a collection right now on Reddit or on Facebook or wherever, or you have to figure out how to use proxy and access or something like that. Quick shout out to one of my favorite alt artists, Anna Terrace on Slack and Discord. He made a set of alt arts for every single card in Rain and Reverie. You can just go on MPC, you can buy Rain and Reverie. Won't be the FFG cards, but the art is really cool. It's a really cool vectorized style. And he has the first data pack in Katara as well out now. You could now go on MPC and you can get a significant collection of cards around MSRP. That's awesome. Because honestly, I think even a lot of existing players probably had trouble getting a hold of Rain and Reverie. I know that that was severely underprinted. And I know I got one of three total Rain and Reveries that were delivered to my local game store, which sucked because mm-hmm. we had five active players. And you probably had 10 pre-orders. Wow. Uh, so not all the pre-orders got filled. Same thing in my store. Not, not even not, close. Not, not no, even, not even yep. close. It was extraordinarily widespread. It was kind of everywhere. Because even if you didn't play, you heard the game was ending. Mm -hmm. You heard there's one last product. A lot of people that were kind of like falling out of the game were still like, hey, I like this game. I'm going to want to play it in 10 years. I want to complete the collection just in case I want to play it in the future. Here's Uh, what you do. You hit up your boy, Dan B. He'll send you 50 IPOs. Print out 50 (laughs) cards on your standard. You go to Staples and you print out, you get some cards, right? You just print them out in normal printer paper. You sleeve up the IPOs and you slide in those printer paper cards and you're good to go. The secondary market prices are just dumb. I can't believe people are paying them. Some people are collectors. They're card game collectors. It's got game in the goddamn name. It's got game in the name. Play it. Don't collect it. Come on, man. We lost the thread a little bit there, I think. That was all good discussion, but... I'm still trying to learn anthropologically about GLC. And I think one of the most important questions that I have, I understand GLC has a lot of new Netrunner players. They haven't been completely corrupted by the Netrunner player scene the way that we have. However, in my experience, every single Netrunner player, even the new ones with extraordinarily few exceptions, are absolute jokers, absolute memers. Are there GLC-specific memes? What are the hot memes in GLC? What do they know that we don't, meme-wise? The cute thing that's happening right now is there's a function in Discord. You can have spoiler text. So people are starting to, you know, they type up their their sentence, their message, and they have a little bit of spoiler text. And you open up the spoiler text, and guess what? It's a snare. (laughs) You got snared. Okay, that's sick. <laughs> right? It's just like in the middle of nowhere. And it's great. That's a big one. I make sure that the really funny things from Slack get moved over so no one misses anything. It would, after all, be egregious if the best memes didn't get shifted over. I tried to explain SoupTube once. I realized that was a bad idea. Someone else tried it a couple of days later. I never heard from them again. Does Discord have a thread function? Can they even do a SoupTube in Discord or is it impossible? No, you can reply to somebody, but it just shows up in the main feed. You can, because of the way Discord is set up, you can make a SoupTube Discord. But I mean, we could do that in Slack too. We could make a SoupTube channel. There's a reason we don't. That's true. That's true. Anybody can join the SoupTube, but they can never leave. The SoupTube is there forever. You can't <laughs> actually leave. You know it. Oh no. Anyways, if anybody that's listening wants to know what SoupTube is, no, you don't. Moving on. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. The soup tube is the best part of Slack. 
It is the main source of load testing for all of Slack, like the entire company. The fact that SoupTube exists. I've speculated for a long time that Stimhack Slack is Slack's testing and production environment. We kind of deserve it. I can't imagine that there is another Slack on planet Earth that has like 4,000 custom emoji and entire channel dedicated to posting 100 or 200 emoji at a time. Excuse you. It is not just about posting 100 to 200 emoji at a time. The culture in emoji spam is that they also have to be animated, so it takes a very long time to load the pitch. Oh, God. This is why I had that channel muted. Do I am I still on that channel? Did I mute it? I must have muted it. I would oh god, you actually, have to I mute would, it. It's, uh, I would never actually leave. I know that there is one brave soul who actually not only didn't mute emoji spam, but it is the only channel that they have automatic notifications on for. Giles Davis, you are the bravest soul in Netrunner, and I commend you. But why? But why? I don't know. <laughs> no, seriously, but why? I'm broken. You broke me. Same. On the topic of GLC, I hear that recently there was a need for a bit of antitrust legislation, if you will. There was an increase in the density. Could you give us a little bit of insight into what exactly happened there? Yeah, like I wake up April 1st. I wake up, I log on to Discord, and everyone is named Dan. Dan C, Dan D, Dan E. Wow, Danjo, Dan Danjo, oh, Dan no, Dargenio no, no, was on no, GLC. Dan, no, no, not Dan D. He that one specifically. Those jokers are just like, hey, it was my fault. I made a joke once because someone named Dana had joined the Discord, so I was like, hey, Dan A, I'm Dan B, and she actually changed her name to be a capital A at the end of her name, which is really oh funny, God. which I think is amazing. And I was like, yeah, we're all one Dan hive mind, right? There's the Dan S, there's the Dan D. We have the most amount of world's winners, right? So the density of that is pretty high, which is great. So I just wake up on April 1st, I go into the Discord, and I'm like, oh God, did I start a cult? Which is great. Like, I'm all for the Dan cults. Make sure to bring your own cloak. And we haven't had any sacrifices this month. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, please reach out to me in DMs. And yeah, the next one's going to be happening. DM, um, of course, standing for Dan M. Yeah, so send a message to Dan M with your preferred method of sacrifice. And you'll be able to join the cult. So we'll love to have you. Um, yeah. Well, okay. That's good to know, though. So people can expect to suffer a little bit of net damage and take a few tags if they head over to GLC. But it sounds like otherwise the memes are going to be fairly recognizable. There's not too much culture clash. That's nice. The biggest culture clash is like trying to convince somebody to download Slack. Other than that, it's the same. I get that GLC is great. And I'm on GLC as well. I love that there is way more Netrunner discussion in a day on GLC than there is on Slack in like a month, which is awesome. But really, all of those GLC people, y'all should join Slack too. I suppose this is not a selling point. I was going to say it's the main hangout for the old heads. Maybe you don't want to interact with us, but but seriously, you should. We're actually pretty nice. A lot of people are feel like Slack is a little elitist just for the you have to download a separate app. A lot of people there have been playing the game a while, and there's a bunch of references you're not going to get. 
but everyone there is super nice and i am part of the slack community because it feels like i'm just hanging out with a bunch of friends all the time it just happens to be that all of these friends play netrunner so we can sometimes make references to it and on a rare occasion we'll even be talking about the game directly it's shocking when it happens but it does happen sometimes if you want a clear proof that slack is not elitist i'm there <laughs> me too like, <laughs> as is orbital you clearly don't need to be an elite player to be in slack yeah we first post every episode of slums cast slums cast to the slack so you know so we talked about glc we talked about nearearthhub.net now, this might not be exactly what we thought of when we were talking about the personalized portals that you get in the segment Daily Quest, but I think that another way that it's important to talk about introducing players to the game and reintroducing older players who are getting back into the game is the local meta. You actually have some experience with rebuilding a local meta. Do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of the way that you helped revive your own local Netrunner meta? What went into that and what advice you'd have for people who are trying to either create or revive a meta of their own? Yeah, you just got to be really annoying. You just keep on pushing them. My local meta had migrated away from Slack. They had created their own Slack instance because they wanted to keep the chat history longer. What ended up happening is they did some measurements and there was like... An eighth of the discussions were coming from this freaking local meta channel. They were talking a lot, guys. Like, you notice how, like, messages are staving longer on StimHack? It's because these 12 people left. It was, it's, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, it's insane. <laughs> they weren't even in SoupTube. That's crazy. So when the game got canceled, they kept the gaming group, but they stopped playing Netrunner. A couple people jumped on JNet every once in a while. And I showed them what was going on with Nisei. I kept on communicating with them and talking to them and talking about what was going on. Like scoop season. Here's a new card of the day. Here's a new card. Like, here's what's going on. And explaining to them, like, here's what Nisei is doing. We now have three pro- well, three or four products if you count Ashes as one or two. Here's the new stuff. Here's the art. Here's the stuff you've missed. Look what's going on. It's still alive. I was in the fortunate space where I could give them a little bit of insider information of just like, hey, here's how much traffic Near Earth Hub is getting. The game is still alive and kicking. Clearinghouse gets spoiled. And I know there was a lot of Wayland players. So I was just like, here's a Clearinghouse deck. What's Clearinghouse? It's this card you advance and then you just kill them. It's great. Foster that. What made the game great for an individual person or a group of people? And show like it still exists and it's still here and you can just pick up and play it. Jump on JNet and play some games. A problem with that meta or that group is JNet was great for testing decks, but they got a lot of enjoyment from physical play. The group that I'm specifically talking to, we're all getting vaccinated. We're going to meet up next month. We're going to be jamming some games hopefully soon. Yeah. But you got to put a little work in. Go build decks for them. Send them a deck list and be like, you're going to like this deck here. Also, if you're talking about people that are lapsed players, you show them the exact right card. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Is you The, the thing that they've been, they've been wanting. You remember how you used to play a lot of medium decks, right? You liked that awesome runner win condition card. Here's Conduit. Luckily, Gateway has a lot of those really good win condition cards. So you have experience with GLC and whatnot, but do you have experience of physical meta bringing new players in? What are your strategies there? 
back when I moved back to Rhode Island, I was living in Southern Massachusetts for a while and I moved back to Rhode Island. And I couldn't really kickstart a, a meta here because FFG decided to not print enough revised corsets because they are very risk adverse to a fault. So I was able to get a lot of people interested in the game, but they couldn't actually buy things, which is super frustrating. Anyways, meet with a couple friends at a game store or somewhere where there will be people that are playing games, but there was just like people playing Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or something. And they're just like, what's that weird game that those guys are playing over there? Play at the end of the table. So people are going to walk by. And when people stop and ask you questions, talk to them. You got to engage. You can't just brush them off and say, hey, hold on a second. Let me finish my turn. You're just playing for fun on a Monday night. Stop and say, hey, this is Netrunner, a cyberpunk card game that is asymmetric. One person is playing a hacker, one person's playing a corporation. I'm trying to advance my agenda to win the game, and the hacker is trying to get into my servers and steal information to win the game. His cards are completely different than mine. There's Anarchs, there's Criminals, there's Waylon Yutani for Malian, you know them? There's an Amazon slash Facebook corporation. There's this awesome clones corporation you've seen minority report they're kind of like those guys don't be afraid to ignore the lore a little bit like sell the things that are really rad about the game do you like blade runner do you like cyberpunk 2077 you know that aesthetic that's all in this game sometimes i couldn't think of anything to say i'd be like you want to actually play richard garfield's good game come and play Ooh, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> shots fired shots fired talking about getting people into the game I have a couple of friends that like to play Magic, either semi-competitively or casually. It was an easy sell where I could just say, you like card games. You like to take your deck, split it apart, and then mash it together and shuffle a bunch. Here's a game that's completely unlike the dude bashers you've played. Completely different decks, does not play anything like that. And by the way, how do you get cards? Go buy a data pack and you're going to have a place out of everything. It's 15 bucks, you're going to have everything. If you're talking to a Magic player, Tell them it's going to be $50 for Gateway, 100 bucks total or so for Ashes. Congratulations, you just spent $200 and now you can play Startup completely. Not only can you play, for $200, you can oh, probably or, get yeah. a deck in Magic. That's like, you, you can get, get a you get deck. some good decks for, for that amount. Yeah. But, but you, can, you have can get every the, Startup deck. Exactly. You can have every single possible strongest deck with right. that money. Another moment that I think the pitch for Netrunner hits really well is if you have a friend that you play Magic with and there's just a game where they are living off the top of their deck, they're drawing the one card that you get to draw per turn in Magic and that's it and they lose because of that, just be like, don't you wish you could have spent your entire turn drawing four cards instead of just getting one and praying to Jengus? Motherfucker, I was going to say the same exact thing. Eat it. Click for draw is the the biggest selling point for Netrunner. It's gotten more people into the game than any other mechanic. What do you want to do on your turn? You want to play a card or do you want to draw a card? You mean I can just draw four cards? Yes. That's actually how I got one of my magic buddies who plays Legacy and has a deck that is worth more than my car. He bought out an entire collection the next day after I taught him. You just have to show them Diesel. So I had a prepaid Kate deck at the time. You want to play Ancestral Recall? This is a basic card in this game. Also, if you want to draw, you can draw whenever you want. So the game has enough variance to keep things interesting, but you get to do the thing your deck wants to do. 
right? You don't have to have like the 60 card deck and maybe you're going to get the cool thing to do. It's like, yeah, it's completely okay to have a 1x card in your deck. It's going to serve its purpose and it's going to be fine. You get to see a lot of your deck in Netrunner. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you're a deck that doesn't have draw cards and doesn't see like half your deck by the end of the game, you're a bad deck. I don't know what it is, but card draw seems to get Magic players go on the reverse side. We're talking a lot about magic players because it's very easy to say like, oh, card games. Let's get car- our card game friends into the game. I have a lot of friends that play a lot of board games and play D&D with them. How to get them into the game. Have decks ready. Have decks ready with easy win conditions and that they can just pick up and play. I bought two sets of gateway and one of them is going to stay a gateway deck. Hey, you want to play Netrunner? Here we go. Let's play some Netrunner. You want to play online? Go on Jinteki. Send them deck lists. Hey, here's some basic deck lists that you can just pick up and play. Don't think your friends are dumb is another thing. I've gotten some people confused when I tell them this. They're just like, I just handed my friend like a Glacier Polana deck and a Stealth Smoke deck and said, use these decks and play. And they were completely fine. They were like, oh, Smoke has Stealth credits and there's other cards that give Stealth credits. Mm -hmm. So this has a very rig-based economy to it, right? Right. Cool. I can go play it. My friends aren't dumb. They play games. They're 30 years old like I am. They can figure it out. Know who you're trying to sell it to. Netrunner is a strong enough product that you don't have to fall back on a single sales pitch. You can tailor it to the person that you're talking to. If the thing that they're interested in is interesting games just at like an ontological level, talk about the fact that it's asymmetric. If the thing that they like is skateboard tricks, show them a fucking Geist deck or don't show them Asa instead. Let's be slightly less degenerate. I don't know what you're talking about. Geist is great. Geist is a shaper. You know how this cast feels about shaper. Yeah, you're right. Oh, God. Isn't Asa the shaper of corpse? No, it's it's not the Shaper of Corpse because it actually wins. Oh! <laughs> All the Shaper decks that are good these days aren't even green. We got freaking Hivemind Max. Don't uh, fucking remind me that they made Max a Shaper. It uses over half of its influence on Shaper cards. It could use none of its influence on green cards. It's just the, the style of play. Any Freedom deck is a Shaper deck. Geist. That style of play, even if you're not playing green cards, having your rig do your things as opposed to either face-checking ice. I'm going to argue against freedom being always a shaper. There are plenty of freedom lists where basically you use freedom as econ, and like you throw down one data sucker, and freedom is just a money card. The freedom list that won Worlds, definitely, that was a shaper list. I love it. I don't. So obviously, there's a large list of things that you can teach new players. You teach them about the game in general. You teach them to go to GLC, to join the community a little more, where the things in the community are located via Near Earth Hub. You teach them Fuck Shaper, which we've got covered. Another important thing for new players to learn is how to win at Netrunner tournaments. Unfortunately, this is the Slums cast, so we are not really equipped to do that. The best we can offer is an exploration of trying to do that, but failing. That's right. It's time for Deccan Bamboozled. Hell yeah. Sorry, I was all over your audio there. I was going to say, hell yeah. You you don't have to say, I was going to say. God damn it. (laughs) Fuck. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Such enthusiasm. (laughs) Jesus. 
Deck and Bamboozled, as always, is a segment in which we take an actual deck that was actually brought to an actual tournament with the actual goal of doing actually well, and it didn't. It bamboozled the person who brought it. Dan, I believe you are on for Deck and Bamboozled this week. What are we talking about? Talking about the newest tenant of the ban list, Titan. Shout out um, to the ban list. This was in 2019 New York regionals. You should remember because we drove up in a car together. There were only like 30 people at that regionals, yeah. and they were all ridiculously good Netrunner players. Explanation one as to why that deck didn't do well. We're driving up from Boston. We're going to this tournament. We stop at a hotel the night before. We decide, hey, we could practice, but instead, Ben, aka Solemn Storm, brought some rad original Netrunner sealed decks. So he cracks oh, yeah. those open and we decide to play those instead. We a much how- better decision, by the way. I had never played it before. Original Netrunner, it turns out, is fucking sick really dumb it's really great especially when it's just like random decks where it's like what does this deck do i don't know and this was randomly generated so no neither does anyone else let's see if it works i've gotta actually go hand melvin some cards actually tell melvin that fuck shaper yeah okay thanks we decide like hey it's actually getting pretty late let's go uh back to the room let's get some sleep we go back to the room. We discover the bathroom it has a glass door that's kind of hazy, but it's definitely not. And none of us really felt comfortable taking a shower in there. That was a super cursed hotel room. Agreed. They promised that there was going to be like in room gym and it's just like a yoga mat and maybe like a weight, whatever. So uh, I figured like, OK, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to write out my deck list. I'm writing out my deck list. It's Titan and Spy Cam's Haley. And I'm writing out the Titan list. And I'm like, oh, crap, I'm over influence. I got to move some things around. Luckily, I have a bunch of extra cards in my deck. Let's move some stuff around. Let's figure out what exactly I want to play. Two rounds into the tournament, and I looked at my ID, and I realized that Titan has 17 influence. Michael, did you know that Titan has 17 influence? Yeah, I the- did. And I just forgot. I just I just brought a 15 influence Titan deck to the tournament. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why do you think it's banned? I don't think that's why it's banned. So first mistake is I brought a good deck. The night before, I cut two influence out of it because I thought it was illegal. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. And there was enough people playing Shaper where I caught a couple of clot users and then a couple bad draws I feel like if I stuck to my guns and played a more reliable corp, I would have done better. My thought process of it was, hey, I'm playing the stupid Haley deck. That Haley deck in particular was just as bad as Geist with the number of fucking triggers that you had. So I was like, Titan, go burr. I'll just play that. I got some good decks. I had a couple of fast advanced pieces get trashed by a freedom player once. Nice. Um, Love it. Everyone brought anti-Gagarin tech to that tournament, and literally zero people were playing Gagarin. I was on anti-Gagarin tech. I was on Polops and Val. Does Polop fire before SIU? Fires between the res window and the pop window, yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Or it fires in the res window, I should say, because the pop window is not the same as the res window. In a sense, though, you're upholding the honor of the cast by not winning that game. 
the benefit of the whole tournament was none of the people in our car made the cut. So we were able to leave and go get tacos and then go home at a reasonable time. Titan has a lot of bad matchups if you hit them. That's why people say Titan is a coin flip until Malapert Data Vault comes out, in which case you cannot have that card in the game anymore. We're not really going over the deck. It was a Titan list. It was a standard Titan list. So just like, let's play all the fast advanced cards, 10 or 12. Like it didn't have no ice, but it was ice light. And then you'd win or you lose. We already know the most important thing, which is that it's on 15 influence instead of 17. That's the biggest note that we have. The next time you play Titan, make sure you have 17 influence. And also don't do it until it's undead. Data Vault is really growing on me as it's not really a sleeper hit because I, I saw it and I was like, oh, this is going to be rad. But even when you're just for value, park it in a server and like, does the runner really want to spend $4 like to trash that? But they kind of have to, right? Because otherwise you just, worst case scenario, right? Oh, I grabbed a too big to fail and now I have enough money to score again. Yeah. And that's what I've been using it for. I've just been using it for value, not for combo pieces or in any fast advance. It's just like, I'm just going to grab something that I want to have in my hands that I don't have right now. And next turn, it's going to help me get closer to winning the game. I honestly think that with this new max list, one of the nice ways to counter it potentially is use Data Vault. You fetch up your 1x arc lockdown and you just arc lockdown their conduit or you arc lockdown their simul chips while there are two of them in the bin or something like that. Yeah. It's not a bad way to try to counter their game plan. Not at all. It's really good. That card did not get drafted in my latest snake draft. Is this the chance for us to talk about another questionable deck building decision related to snake draft? Yes. Two decks bamboozling us in the same episode. Our listeners are spoiled. So intended to do well in the snake draft, but then the, the snake draft started. That's how snake draft always goes. You intend to do well, and then you actually pick your cards. TLDR on the story of the snake draft is the Boswash, aka the Northeast US meta, routinely puts on snake draft tournaments or events. This one had three pods going, so it was really interesting to not only be drafting, but also be seeing what other drafts were doing at the same time. And we started the morning gateway came out the second that the last article came out with all the cards we said go and people started drafting so first pick cyber deck sandbox was just like oh shit there's a ton of viruses in this meta conduits thing tranquilizers thing botulus what the heck is going on wild that it went before rashida it's wild that he picked it and didn't pick uh amakua with it because that's what i would have done i was planning i was like fourth or fifth pick I can probably snag Sandbox and Amakua together and have a breaker and the counter to that breaker set up. For those who are not familiar, what Snake Draft is, you have the entire legal Netrunner card pool at your disposal. There are eight people in the draft, and there is a set order of people in the draft. Starting with player one down to player eight, each person picks one of the cards that have not been picked yet. Once you get down to player eight, flip the order. So it works like a snake. You go one to eight, then eight to one, then one to eight, then eight to one. It kind of snakes down the spreadsheet as you go. And you have to build a real deck. You have to follow real influence limits. You have to actually pick your ID and that ID, you have to follow the deck building restrictions for that ID. So if you pick Akiko, for instance, which why would you, you'll have 12 influence to work with instead of 15. The reason it's called a snake draft is just because of that shape. The, the whole point though is there is a whole pool of cards that only one player gets access to at a time. And you have to pick those with only imperfect knowledge of what's going to happen down the road. 
caveat there the way that the boswash meta does their snake drafts might be a little different than what other people do in that you have to pick an id and you are allowed at the end of the draft to use any cards that were not picked so what that means is there's a lot of jerks in the boswash snake drafts Instead of picking cards that might be good for your deck, you're picking cards that are bad for your opponent's deck. Like what I did when I saw that Chris took Smoke as his ID, I decided to take After Image. Not because I wanted After Image. I don't need that card. I don't even want that card. I just didn't want him to have that card. And it was the last pick. I had my deck already done. So when you say there are a lot of jerks in the snake draft, you're actually talking about yourself. I'm not saying I'm not one of them. So you said you have to draft an ID. You don't have to use that ID, though, right? You can you use anything that's you unpicked? So you do, or you get a blank 4510 ID in the faction of your choice. Oh, you really? To, yeah. I think one person drafted three IDs because they just weren't sure of what they wanted to do. Ooh. But you can do that. You can be like, what do I want to play? Do I want to play Smoke or do I want to play Tau or whatnot? And you have the options to pick either one. Yeah, Chris picked Smoke, Lot, and Kit. (laughs) Wow. I I was like, what am I going to do with my last pick? I don't know. I mean, really, the joke is on you here, though, because you went out of the way, used one of your picks to hate on the stealth deck. That was only one of the three IDs that he picked. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's the last pick, though. By then, you've already established your deck. It got to the 13th round before the entire time I was like, oh, my God, no one's picking Netmerker. The entire stealth pool is going to be available. This is going to be great. I can pick whatever deck I want. Because I can just play stealth in as or Steve or whatever dumb criminal ID I want. I can pick my criminal ID last pick and then just put stealth cards in it. And it'll be fine. Then then Chris goes ahead and like round 13 and p- picks Netmarkar. And I'm like, come on, man. You could have had that. No one was going to pick it. We were all forgetting stealth existed. I started getting into a fight right away with Solemn Storm on NBN cards. A bunch of cards got picked. I ended up going the first couple picks with San San City Grid. Spinny D, uh, Spin Doctor. Get some card draw, get some recursion, and then have a win con ready to go. Any agenda that says three on it is now great for you. So then I started getting into an NBN fight with Ben. His first pick, which is pick three overall of the draft, hard-hitting news. Your first pick, which is pick five overall, Spin Doctor. Then on the wheel back around, you pick Sansen City Grid. Two picks later, his second pick, Project Beal. Fuck yeah. you, Sansen City Grid. You're not getting the Beal too. That was intentional. At that point, I was forced three ways. I was thinking those are going to be like, I've just spent my influence. Now I'm going to choose probably HB. Then four players chose HB cards, Michael. Immediately before Sanson City Grid, Violet Level Clearance taken by a player. Then immediately after, we have Skunk Works, and then Jinja, and then Fully Operational plus Asa on the wheel back. So, yeah, so. <laughs> HP's a little bit crowded now. Well, I guess I'm playing Wayland. So for the rest of the draft, I'm just picking fights with White And he has this dumb kill combo, Neurospike Okay, cool. Have fun. I'll probably do some anti-picks against you. I'm going to choose Alice. I'm going to choose Hostile. I'm going to do some stuff. Um, I'm seeing some dumb shit in White Blades draft here. I'm seeing first pick Border Control, second pick. Now, I have listed off about five cards that were all taken after the second pick. Second pick, City Works Project. What the fuck? 
Oh, no, he wants to play a Neurospike CityWorks Project deck. That's all he wants to do. At the end of the draft, I'm really thinking about, like, what the heck am I going to do for IDs? Like, I can play Outfit, but there's not, like, a ton of bad pub. I end up going Earth Station. I picked wall to wall. Hey, you know what? I can go kind of glacier. I'm probably only going to do one server. I can like put my wall to wall down. I can pick it back up. I can put spin doctor down. I can move stuff out and then I can toss my agenda in. All of the first round picks actually, I think are pretty good. The order of them surprises me. Like if I am in slot one, my first pick is either Rashida or spin doctor. There's a potential argument to be made for GFI. I would say there is, but yeah, I mean, maybe, but it's draft getting into your service is harder than it is in constructed fake points is less necessary. I think. I don't know if I agree there. If you get the GFI, you can pick genuinely bad agendas from there on out and you're fine. You get to a point where you're not fighting for agendas and it's, that's really good to not have to fight for agendas or just play bad ones. But at the end of the day, I'm playing Earth Station. I'm playing what I'm calling uh, Skateboard Trick Steve, which is just like you run HQ a bunch, use Emergency Shutdown to shut down their ice, and then you use Tread Lightly to run that server that now has unresed ice. It's pretty fun. It's not good. I was going to say, how have these decks done? Why are these on deck and bamboozled? Are they bamboozling you? Yeah, they're really bad. They're really (laughs) bad. But I think that the core of the Steve deck is actually going to be really fun. One of the biggest things in the new meta for me, in the new standard, is just remembering how fucking fun it is to play Steve. Running HQ as Steve is such a good feeling. I was playing a game of Steve, the snake draft, and I was just like, all right, gonna play this deck, run HQ, and then there's a prompt, and the prompt says, pick a card, and you get that card back. Oh, I forgot my ID did something. This is great because it's been like five turns and my ID hasn't done anything. And I'm just like, do you want this diversion of funds or that diversion of funds? And I was like, yes, please. I'll have one of those. The fan fiction is true. Steve is, in fact, a good boyfriend. The reason I'm calling a skateboard trick now is because somebody mentioned it in the chat. I run HQ. I have one diversion of funds in the bin. I say, okay, you can have a choice between diversion of funds or emergency shutdown. They're not going to give me the diversion of funds because they like their money. They give me the emergency shutdown. I shut down the EULA and then I tread lightly into a server. It's like, do you want to spend nine for that? And then like three more credits for the other stuff? It just felt so good. I lost that game, by the way, but that felt fun. (laughs) Well, this is exactly why we had to have you back on the slums. That is exactly the slums energy. I did my skateboard trick and still lost the game, but they couldn't raise the EULA. (laughs) That's what doesn't matter. You got the the skateboard trick to fire. The best part about the Eula was I just like I picked, I think it was like round four or five. I picked Cleaver as my barrier breaker, which is just really good versus Eula. It's incredible. Yeah. Two subs for a credit. That's pretty good. So we've talked a fair amount about decks. It's time to move on. We're going to move on to something a little bit different before we get to a classic bread and butter segment. Bread and butter. No, it's not baking up thing close. Before we move on to ban or nab, I have to introduce something to you. And this is going to be a long segment in which we have plenty of discussions. Probably going to take up the majority of the cast, even is longer than ban or nab. Which is it? Is... Akamatsu membership. No, the people want Akamatsu membership, Josh. Never again. Never again. Before we get on to Banner Nab, this other equally long segment, tournament organize or 
Ezinagro 10M route? Uh, um, I don't know what that second one was, so I'm going to say tournament organized. So you heard it here from Bushi. If you have the chance to run your own fake Nats, if you have the chance to run your own regional or store championship, go ahead and do so. That brings us to Ban or Nab. Ban or Nab? Thimblerig. Ban. Ban. Let's move on. We have decided to ban Thimblerig, so it is time to talk about a card that is worse than Thimblerig. That's right. The bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. I believe this is your choice this week, Dan. What is the bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it? I think that still bad is a little bit of a misnomer here, but I think BioVault's now a bad card. Oh, shit. That is a spicy take. I'm going to offer one thought here, which is BioVault is actually a good card, question mark? You would think so. but I um, would, in fact. Yes, I would think so. So imagine, if you will, like close your eyes and imagine to yourself two giant buff men with lamps on their heads. As I often do, yes. You already got me. That's all you really need to imagine there. So I've played a lot of Polana. Nine Nisei counter Polana Glacier, right? You have three Bio Vaults, three Border Controls, three Niseis. You're not letting them in nine times. You're probably going to win, right? Because the runner has can only make a certain amount of runs before they just run out of money. And that yeah. kind of deck does work. That's exactly the type of deck that I played at Worlds. And for the purposes of the Slumscast, we're not going to talk about the record that I had with that deck. But the point That's is, fair. that deck is good. That deck does work. Yeah. So let's talk about slots. Spin Doctor is a card now. You're going to draw cards and you're going to shuffle cards back. So that's actually really good for getting your border controls back and even your, let's say, Bio Vault. So let's pretend like you're actually playing Bio Vault in that deck. Just to be clear, like Bio Vault's usually found in a Glacier Jinteki deck. You're not going to find it in many other... It is time and effort intensive enough that you don't fire off a Bio Vault early. Time intensive is actually the key point there. I feel like it takes too much time. I'm going to install that into a server and maybe advance it once. And I'm going to let Lacosta give it my second counter, or I'm going to let it stew there for zero. And then it's going to count for one the next time. And then I'm going to advance it, which is fine. Instead of saying, I'm going to put BioVault in this server, I'm going to advance it twice. I spent my entire turn gaining it and the run. Instead, I can put an Oetic Void into a server and I can draw two cards. Now I can still end the run. I can draw one card and I can install a Nisei Mark II in that server. There was already a Lacosta in there. So next turn, I'm going to score it. And now I have a real Nisei counter and an Oetic Void still in there. So the next thing that I put in that server is even harder to get. I just feel like every time I played BioVault, it's just like, I kind of just wish it was an NGO. And by the time it actually gets to the point where it's like, yeah, the runner's running this, there's two border controls on that server anyways. Right. The issue is if you do the direct comparison to Void, the only thing that BioVault really does that Void doesn't do better is not be unique. You could have multiple of them in a server at some point, and it also can't stop runs on other servers. At the moment, the game's very fast. The economic comparison matters a lot. The two credits, that's the same cost that it takes to go into Void, except it takes more clicks, so you can't spend two credits and then gain more credits by playing a Hante review or something like that. It's very effort intensive, and then you only get to use it once. Void, you can use multiple times in a turn if you want to, and it sticks around for other runs. BioVault just doesn't do that much compared to Void anymore. I think that Nisei killed BioVault. Honestly, when I was playing Polana before Gateway, it was already a 45th card. I was cutting the third one for something else. You brought up some interesting points that bring me more on your side at the beginning of the segment than I thought that I was going to be, but 
I will say that Bio Vault as a 2x or a 1x in these decks is still not wrong per se. Bio Vault ends the run on other servers. That is relevant. You have nine in the run effects. Maybe you're not going to use all of those to secure your remote server, but you may have these criminal decks that are trying to doof you on HQ, get you down low enough that you can't score, or trying to take things out of HQ with Embezzle. Criminals and Anarchs can still potentially use Turning Wheel to try to win. If you see a Shaper, they're probably going to win with Conduit, which means that you're going to be stacking R&D, which means they're probably not going to get in more than once. You're probably okay with ending the run there i don't think it's strictly worse than anoetic void it combos with lacosta for the free advancements when you don't have that nisei in hand and you can just pop something in the remote even if they run it i still think it's good for you even if they get in and they run it and they trash your lacosta and your bio vault it's a lot of credits it's certainly not a 3x. I do not think that it's wrong to have a 1x of this card in there. I think there's even a case to be made for Skunkworks. That's the deck slot question. You're going to have Void in your deck. And Skunkworks and Bio Vault, you're definitely not. not. No. And Data Loop, which is really good for Obacados. That turned Obacada into a real wind cunt. Costs a million credits, though. Sure, but you're Polana. You have a million credits. Maybe it depends on your ID, though. Polana... Sure, you're you may have a million credits to res those data loops, afford those analytic void cards and whatnot. But if you're playing ag, I don't think you want to spend your cards because you're gonna to need to install ice for your ag ability. I have a hard time seeing myself running a bio vault in ag infusion over the third void. I'll be completely honest. Just because void is super strong. I'm with Orb on this one. If I'm playing Ag Infusion, your cards you're discarding to Void is mostly ice, and I want to install that ice. Yeah, and you're mostly poor. Like, you're going to play Lacosta and Jinteki. You're still going to have the big Polana ice, like Anansi, and like... DNA Tracker. Is anyone on DNA Tracker? No one reses DNA Tracker. because You're on... No, I'm on loops. That's why. Are you on loops in Ag? You cut loops for cheaper ice. I'll admit, I'm looking at bio. You're on Angram flushes. You're not on fucking yeah. uh, DNA trackers. I'm sorry. You're not so, either. You're right. <laughs> so is Polana. I mean, Polana's on Angram flush too. That card's disgusting. Yeah, you're also on slot machines. Moving on. I've cut my slot machines. Why? Because like you, you would have at least one. I have. I need influence. Yeah, you don't have influence for it anymore. Um, also, I'm, I'm also, I'm also. A, but it only uh, costs like one or so. two. Border control costs three. And spin doctor yeah, costs okay. three. You're, we're, All right, you're you're basically I'm, on a six. A let, six let's roll this back. Let's roll this back. What I'm saying is, in ag at least, I think bio vault is not the bad card of the week. That is still bad, and you still shouldn't play it because you're going to be poor. I think it remains to be seen whether or not Polana or ag is better. And I've always thought this about those two ideas. If you are a better player that is more cognizant of your credit pool. Ag is by far a more impactful ability in the game and is way more powerful. You're getting an end the run or end the meaningful run whenever you want. But Ag is hard to use. Honestly, Alana is more powerful in the hands of a player that is not credit perfect all the time. I'm not positive it's entirely that though. In the hands of a player who is credit perfect all the time, what Polana says is I get my first Nisei a turn or two earlier than Ag, and that's incredibly powerful. You're not wrong there. 
I think the question is really is more coming down to if we're saying that anoetic void is similar to biovault in terms of where the slot is and we're saying ag infusion is preferring biovaults which is more slow That's because fair. we don't want to throw our cards away to avoid I'm and still not also convinced. we're not getting the money from Polana from ag infusion and the game's fast right now because of the corpse mm. being fast Runners are being fast, which causes our Glacier Corpse to also need to be fast. I think the Polana is a little bit ahead. You're probably thinking like I am, BioVault might be your 46th, 47th. I'm on the BioVault is a bad card side now. I do want to state for the record, I'm not convinced that BioVault is a card that you slot over Void in Ag Infusion. I'll be completely upfront with you, but I definitely do think that if we think that Polana is the better of the Red Glaciers right now, I do think it's worse mm. than Void for sure in Polana. It's not a question of Polana. Like, Void is just better. I think it is an interesting question in Ag. So then the question becomes, is Ag better than Polana? And I'm not convinced of that latter thing. I'm not convinced that Ag is better than Polana because of the speed issues that we just brought up. So... And I'm not convinced that either of them is actually good right now. I think that they just get completely destroyed by Virus Mac. I think it depends on your tech. Are you talking about Lockdown? I think it has to be locked down because Macrophage alone doesn't do enough because they just tranquilize you once and you lose the game. Fuck, you could put in a Voter and Tim or a Best Defense. There's a couple of things. Voter and Tim's do. a decent thought. Yeah, Voter and Tim to trash. Cool. You yeah. could also Best Defense the Progenitor. Yeah, at that point, you do want to be Polana for sure because Polana is the deck that has the closing speed once you slow them down by like one labor rates. That's yeah. all you're doing. Like the deck is resilient enough. It has enough tools. You're never locking them out. You're just slowing them down by one labor rates. You'd have to lock them down as well as best defense. And at that point, I think you're including too many tech cards. You're just going to lose um, everything else. And you're going to lose gotta, all the games where you don't draw them. Exactly. You've got to choose one. They're going to be more resilient to best defense. You're only going to slow them down by a couple of turns. Lockdown, if you hit the key card, you win. You slow them down if you hit the key card. Because even if you do hit the tranquilizer, they still have the botulists. They still have the cookbooks. They still have the chips. If you hit the labor rights, one stack you with labor rights, but that might still be enough. I'm saying you could hit the simple chips. You could hit hive mine. There's a couple of cards that will just lock them out. You also have to have the best luck with RN Jesus. Prayed to that guy before. Uh, sometimes he's a dick. You have to have pretty good luck to hit enough simul chips to lock them out for real. So I'll be completely honest. I got chosen to pick this bad card. I wanted to pick something spicy. So I was like, what card do I actually like? It's something where I'm going to be considering, do I put a bio vault in this deck? And I think that right now the answer is no. It certainly is no for yeah. the next week because this is now officially the bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. And as we know, Absolutely. those recommendations only last for seven days. Is it still Absolutely. bad and you shouldn't play it or is it now bad and you shouldn't play it? We can't edit audio and we already named the segment, but maybe we can, uh, in memory of this card, next time that we have this segment, we can call it the bad card of the week that's now bad and you still shouldn't play it. And it'll be a card that has been bad. So it will no longer be appropriate. Wouldn't it be the bad uh, card of the week good. that's now bad and you now shouldn't play it? Or You're because, right. we or would have because to this is the slums cast, it's, it's the bad card of the week that is now bad and we're going to play it anyways. Well, that's the point, well, that's... right? We always play all these bad... We don't play all these bad cards. I didn't think about what cards we've named on this segment before I said we still play them. God, I don't want to slander Josh by saying that either of us has ever played the fucking gauntlet. I was about to say it. God damn it. 
if you were going to lay the gauntlet at my feet, like I was about to throw down the gauntlet. So because of the gauntlet, and I have played many a gauntlet deck as a, hey, cool multi-axis HQ thing, but... Oh, fuck you, cut the feed. Is the feedback? Okay, good. I almost picked like a card that I didn't believe in as like a spicy pick of just like Nobri's four credits. That's a lot of money. It's more than that. It's five. The difference between Nob and Gauntlet is that it actually does things. Does say five? Why does it say five? That thing costs fucking five, and it still won the world championships. If it didn't have that plus three MU, I would definitely be. I would have made a case. I would have been wrong. Like it's still, it's still pretty good. Permanent um, imps is also just very strong. That's a thing. That's Friday chip though. Like that, that was gonna be my fake well, argument. Was like Friday chip versus knob. Fake argument though, because knob actually does give you permanent imps, whereas Friday Chip you can purge. Because the more important part is just getting virus counters, I never noticed that Knob actually has fucking 3MU. Especially <laughs> when you're so using you- with Yusuf. Yusuf costs 2MU, and it's just like it doesn't matter because you're just getting more virus counters. Then you have Imp, <laughs> and you have Data su- or Leech, and then you have uh, I don't know, some other crap. Well, I think we've got enough discussion on both the bad card of the week that's now bad and you now shouldn't play it and the good card of the week that won worlds and i guess maybe play it if you like shaper we should move on to the next segment we are nearing the end of this cast so we have reached the point where we want the closing arguments dan this is for you the closing argument this week the hypothetical is you have recently been appointed the head of poultry outreach by nisei your job is to create the first netrunner runner who is also canonically a chicken. What is this runner's name? What faction is this runner? And what is their ID ability? So I f- first want to point out that I actually don't have a title at Nisei right now. So that's a good uh, suggestion. Poultry runner. I think it's probably going to be Sonny's intern. So it's going to be purple. So the problem is I always just lean on the UK Slack channel for my chicken puns. I think sunny side up is going to be it's going to be sunny with an O because it's going to be like a kid and it's going to be the intern. So it's going to be sunny, which is not going to confuse anybody in any tournament or cast ever. It's going to be completely clear that you're playing sunny side up. Last name should just be something like sit up. I was thinking maybe it's hyphenated side hyphen up. So sunny has link, but sunny side up does not have link. What would an intern be able to do? So it's actually like very similar to Jack Sinclair, right? You're going to be able to, basically you pick a server and the run on that server is going to be easier because of the art is going to be all around like getting coffees and doing the dirty work and all the information and the stuff that Sonny doesn't want to do, right? You got someone, you got a kid to do this for you. And it can't be Jack because Jack's actually still doing the making of run at the beginning of the turn. Did Jack even go home? I don't know if I want to trust him I don't know if I want him getting my coffee. He hasn't slept in 48 hours. No, that's really bad. So, but I think there is going to be a a credit discount. It's kind of like a bad pub on a specific server that you get. And because it's a mini faction, like the ability doesn't actually have to be good. 
you pick two servers. One server, you get a credit or maybe two credits. It might be two credits just because it's more fun that way. You get two credits to use on that server. And then you have another central server you pick that you have minus two credits on. So to run it, you actually have to uh, spend money, which is really important for a player like me who like plays sec testing and then decides he actually wants to use conduit during that run. Or he's like trying to access top of R&D as like the last turn before he dies to a clearinghouse, which just happened to me in my last last snake draft game versus Chris. I'm like, oh, I can run four times versus R&D. Oh, crap. So I only get three accesses now. So I guess I'll just probably lose even more it really punishes bad players that can't plan their turns out which i think is really important for a purple deck so i think that's what the ability is going to be you get two credits on a run on a server to spend interacting with ice it can't be to trash cards because that's too good and then you have to pick a server to be the bad server because the intern fucked up i like that the intern just sucks at apocalypse the inter just never gets apocalypse done. You got to have that full-time knowledge to actually get that shit done. The inter is just so much worse at their job than Sunny because Sunny, if you have a server that's all trace ice, you just have two credits for every single subroutine potentially. Absolutely, Whereas this yeah. intern is just like, I can be as good as Sunny once on one trace. If the intern was good, then they would have Sunny's job <laughs> and Sunny wouldn't be working for InfoSec anymore. Well, thank God. I mean, think of the kids. I'm glad that Sonny the chicken is not good at Sonny the person's job. Yeah. And I'm glad that I've come up with an ID that is completely clear and does not confuse anybody. So Sonny is definitely coming soon. You heard it here first on the Slums cast. Sonny is coming soon as opposed to Sonny, which is rotating soon. That ends the Slums cast for this week. If you liked what you heard on the Slums cast, then go ahead and subscribe. You can find us on most major podcast distribution networks. We have written them emails asking them to please change that. But unfortunately, only the ghost of Steve Jobs has written back to us. If you liked what you heard, you can also leave us a review that helps us show up in search algorithms and such. And I don't know, we'll say thanks probably. It gets Uh, Steve Jobs' ghost off your back too, which is really important. Yeah, he gets mad enough at the reviews that he just kind of rages in those forums for a while and leaves our inbox alone. So we really do appreciate it when that's the case. If you are interested, we have merch. We talked about it a little bit earlier. If you want to get us over that minimum limit where we can actually withdraw the money and donate the fucking money to charity, which was the entire point of the goddamn store, then uh, go ahead and pick up a I Don't Listen to Slums cast shirt. They're very extant special thanks this week dan thank you so much for being on the podcast do you have any special thanks or shout outs to give while you're here i just really had fun talking to you guys this has been a lot of fun uh shout outs to all the new players that started playing shout out to nisei for creating a great product shout out to polana players for thinking biovault's good shout out to Myself, so a little bit of a plug. I'm going to be launching a uh, Etsy storefront soon for a bunch of new tokens and token-like accessories. Giant boomerangs, if you really want to flex on your opponent, please buy them so I can let my wife know that this laser cutter was a good investment. And then shout out to the resurgence of Netrunner Podcast. It's kind of the silver age now where podcasts are coming back and content creators are making stuff for the game again, which is awesome. If it's the silver age, then I'm sorry to say it is the type of silver that does tarnish because the slums cast is part of it. That's okay. As far as that Etsy storefront, we will have the link to that along with many other things that we mentioned during this episode in the show notes. 
And that is it. We've reached the end of the episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can find how to reach us in the show notes. Best ways are StimSlack, Twitter, and then we have an email address, but really StimSlack and Twitter are going to get to us much faster. And if you have any concerns, then uh, take them up with the intern. It allows my wife to watch TV upstairs. And two, mm-hmm. I got to I get to record on my fancy new game table. So Ooh. Yeah. fancy new game table. Right. You posted a picture of that uh yesterday, today, one of yeah, the days. Yeah, post on Slack. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. yeah. It's good shit. I was like I was looking at it and I was like, okay, the size of three Netrunner play mats, that's like there are a lot of games you can play on that. Thing. Yeah, no, it's really and and they <laughs> they they sell a bigger actually they sell two bigger ones. They sell a uh a longer one which would be fine except for like it gets to the point where the people on the ends aren't going to be able to interact with the things in the middle yeah um but then they also sell a four by six uh war game table so nice. all those all those warhammer nerds <sighs> yes that's I my mean, you, jam you've right got there. a yeah you've got a table that's the size like if this were ffg netrunner worlds you could probably fit five games of netrunner on that table you would have to, yeah. That's yeah. that's normal. <laughs> I think I think if I squeezed it, and we're we would have to do some overlapping and maybe a, a, a side table for some bits, but I could probably fit the Twilight Imperium on here. Maybe Never maybe if people had, if we squeezed it. Well, it's like you have to you have to fuck fu- big as that game. The problem is you have the ind- individual player boards, and then you also have your. Um, your upgrade cards and everything and you kind of want to have a good amount of space for your own your own stuff oh um so it's like eclipse with a big game board in the center as well yeah yeah and then then there's the the map in the center where you're you're doing all the other stuff and then there's a whole area that has to do with the uh your victory conditions um Hmm. and all that scoring so it's big um this is like complicated as fuck (laughs) ti is actually pretty pretty simple to play um it's just it takes a while it takes a while to play but it's fun yeah this is surprisingly involved for a game about uh stephanie meyer like the stephanie meyer expanded universe what (laughs) that's a joke we're we're putting that in oh right right, yeah 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 okay that makes sense that's a joke for our crossover with twilight fans which i assume is yeah oh god i Maybe there's one person in the audience that the joke's relevant to. Maybe, yeah. Like every TO or every player that has played for a while, you just start accumulating play mats. I'm actually using one as a, a literal mouse pad right now. Everyone, Me everyone too. use is is it uh is it day job? No, it's one I actually won. Uh, it is a Angolo. Angolo is nice. Angolo is a good one. Uh, I the, for, find the truth. I use find the truth as find the, the truth as the mouse pad. My work mouse pad is day job because I just think it's funny. Like that's just and no one else can that see it, right? Funny. This is a work from yeah. home thing, so so no one can see it. I, I wouldn't bring it into the office for sure. I would. 
that's the uh, that's the benefit of the consulting life is the last two roles I've had the last two clients um I did not bring anything I had a coffee mug I had a a stack of post-it notes and a pen and that was all that lived on my cubicles and I just like this is my stuff and I walk with it every day and I can just move wherever I want in the office. Where is my, where is my, where's Dan today? He's not in his cubicle. He's sitting on the couch in the reception area because it's way more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, respect. <laughs> you know, I think one of the biggest flexes that you can throw down in any game is a Patrick Burke alt art that has not been banned. They're very rare. <laughs> Oh, I mean, there some of them are bands. That... And this this is not Patrick's fault, to be clear. It's just has a habit of making ones that get banned. No, Pat Pat's a good is a really good person, and he wants to do the best for the community. So he know he knew that the best thing to do, especially because he was one of the 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 first few people that were making alt arts. He figured the best alt arts were the ones that people wanted a lot of. Right, you want to. You don't want to unsleeve your de- your deck because you need to move your temujins from one deck to another, mm-hmm. or your moons or whatnot. So we figured, let's make. I'll make alt arts so you can have multiple decks. That, but that just means that he, all his cards got banned, <laughs> or or he becomes art director and Nisei decides. Oh, I know you did an alt art IPO, but we need our own version of IPO. And now all the tournament organizers have stacks of IPOs and they decided to rotate the damn card. <laughs> 